we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. We've been on a journey the last few weeks, haven't we? I love the book of Acts. I love where it's carrying us. And I tend to want to skip over some of the stories sometimes because I, I, I feel like, well, you know, you've heard that one before. Let's, let's go on to another story of it, what God was doing and kind of fast forward. And so we were in Acts chapter 8 last week and we talked about Simon. We talked about how uh, he was the great pretender, how he was counterfeit. Um, and I've Read part of, I read that part to you, and I didn't get to the very end where he's, he's exposed by the apostles for what he really is. And the good news is he gives his heart to the Lord. At the end, he get, there's true conversion there. There's true change that takes place in this man's life. And he had joined himself to a, a man that, honestly, goodness, was just a fireball for Jesus. And his name was Philip. And he was, man, he was just on fire for God. He was preaching in cities. He was proclaiming Jesus in every community he possibly could. And all of a the sudden, uh, there's a detachment there after his conversion. And, and Philip goes on doing what he was doing. Up until this point, he had been preaching in the towns of Samaria. And uh, I love that because you remember it wasn't not long ago when Jesus wanted to go to Samaria, they had a problem with that because they were, you know, hate, you know, the Samaritans hate us. Um, and now they are evangelizing Samaria. Isn't that beautiful? And they are speaking uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Samaritan communities. And so we pick up the story in verse 25 with, with Philip as he is traveling throughout the Samaritan villages. Uh, but all of a sudden, in the midst of all that God is doing in these villages and as God is ministering, um, the Lord redirects the life of Philip. And, that, and, and I was going to kind of go past this because many of you have heard the story about Philip and the Ethiopian. You, if you've been in church any time at all, you've heard this story of how he speaks, uh, the Ethiopian's reading the story of Isaiah out loud, and the Lord moves on Philip. Philip joins himself to this Samaritan man, explains what he's reading to him. The man is moved and wants to be right with the Lord. Evidently, he gives his heart to the Lord. He says, there's water. What stops me to be baptized? So they stop, and Philip baptizes him. And then, this is my favorite part, gets caught up in a Holy Ghost tornado. All right? <laughs> and he is carried, literally, physically, by the Spirit, he is carried 20 miles away from where he is to a town on the coast. I want you to think about that. That's an amazing story. But you've heard that. And I was going to skip over that. And the Lord said, no, you're not, because there's some things I want my people to hear this morning. So are you ready to hear? Because the title of this message this morning is Open Your Mouth. I want you to look at somebody and say, open your mouth. And if they yawn, pop them. I'm just kidding. Do not. Do not do that. Do not. Pray for them. Pray for them. I meant to say pray. So I meant to say pray. Still got some you know, bad spirit after last night's ball game. But I'm in my Georgia red. Go dogs. So anyway. And anybody says roll tide, I will pray for your soul this morning. Pray for it. Pray for it. So anyway, at least I'm not a tech fan. That was for Brad. He was picking on me last night. So, so anyway, 
Last week we, could, we, we were talking about how Simon was deceived. He was the great pretender. This week we're carrying on the story. Let's begin with verse 25 of chapter 8 of Acts. It says, Now when, when, they were testif- when they testified and spoke and the spoken word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of Samaria. Now verse 25, or 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now, the Bible does not put things there by chance. It puts things there to be exact. As I said, there's there's always meaning behind that. And when it says it is a desert place, if you've never been to this region of the world, it means absolute desert place. It is a wilderness. So he is calling Philip. The angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and says, I want you to go from this place where there are villages and people, and I'm going to draw you out into a desert place. And so he goes on this road, and he is walking on a desert road, a desert place, and he happens to run into a man who is from Ethiopia. Let's read on. And as he rose and went, and there were there was an Ethiopian, and not just any Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of, of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. And he, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So evidently, he was probably a Jew that had been exiled, and he was, he was still practicing Judaism, and he came to Jerusalem on a trip, a vacation, maybe a business trip, and he had worshipped in Jerusalem. Now he was returning, getting ready to go back home to serve in the court of the Ethiopian queen. And the Bible says, goes on to say, and, and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him. Now that's important. You can underline ran to him. And heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that was, was, was that he was reading was, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip about, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this is about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. There it is, our key anchor verse today. Everybody say, open your mouth. And began with the scriptures and he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me? Me from being baptized, and and he commanded that the chariot to, the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and, he, and Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went his way rejoicing. And we know the rest of the story. Philip is literally taken eighteen to twenty miles to the coast, and by the Holy Spirit to continue his ministry. Man, that's some great transportation. I still think about what that must have been like. Now, the first thing I want us to learn from this story today or to take home from this story today is that Philip learned to listen to the Spirit. If we are going to move forward in this church, if we're going to move forward in our walk with God, if we are going to to do anything and accomplish anything for God, we have to learn to listen to the Spirit. The Bible says in Revelations, let him that has ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
church. In other words, we have to develop a listening ear to the Holy Spirit if we want to accomplish what God has for us. In other words, uh, the first thing that we find in this passage of Scripture that I've read to you is that an angel speaks to Philip. Now, this was not, to me, it, it should have a, a side note, and Philip fell on the ground amazed, passed out in wonder, but on, evidently this was not an uncommon event for him or the other apostles. An angel spoke to him, and he heard their word. He said, you need to go to a desert place. There are some obscure places when we listen to the Lord. Sometimes the Spirit will carry us to places that we never thought that we would end up at. Sometimes God will send us to places that we never dreamed we would be at. But if we follow the Lord and listen to the Lord, he always has something in mind. Sometimes God tells us to do things, and it feels like we're in the middle of nowhere, just like Philip, walking on a desert road. What does this have to do with God's plan for my life? What does this have to do? This direction just does not seem to be a positive direction for me, and the Lord is saying, you got to trust me, because where I lead, I guide, and where I guide, I have divine appointment in mind. So Philip had a divine appointment with an Ethiopian that he had no idea. He was just listening to the Lord. He was listening to the angel of the Lord. And as he went into this desert place, he began, he, he finds that here is a man who is wondering and searching for God. We need to be more attentive and listening to the Spirit to find those in our lives and around us that are hungry for something for God. Because I'm telling you, there's a world around us that is needing to have some hope right now. There are people that are grasping. Look, I know we've had great loss this past week, and some of us are still, we're grieving, and it is fresh to us. But I want to share something with you. There are some people that are experiencing the same thing you're experiencing, and they don't have Jesus to help them through it. We've got to listen to the Spirit to help people find the Lord in the midst of it. Are you following me today? We have to listen. We can't be so caught as I've got the Lord to help me, but somebody else doesn't. So I need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, I feel like, uh, number one, Philip was prayed up, don't you? I feel like he was in tune with the Lord. He had to be. He was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He did not live a life out of tune and out of sync. He was in tune. And I'm telling you, all of us can be in tune with the Lord if we allow us. It's like a musical instrument. I don't play uh, guitar in the worship team anymore. Thank God the Lord's raised up people to do that. But I used to play the guitar, the acoustic guitar for our praise and worship. And I could tell when, my, when one string was out of tune. And I had to tune that string. Why? Because it could throw everything off. There, listen, God is wanting us to be in tune with his spirit. Because if we're out of tune with the spirit, it can throw everything off in our life. It can throw our marriages off. It can throw our relationship with our kids off. It can throw our relationships at work off and at school. It can literally wreck us when we're out of tune with the Spirit. But when I'm in tune with the Spirit, I'll be willing to go wherever He says. I'll be willing to do whatever he says. So we need to be in tune with the Spirit. So the angel spoke to him. And, and because why? He was in tune. Philip could have said, there are no cities on this road. There's no place. This is going a place going nowhere. Have you ever felt like that? I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not making any progress. But instead of that, he trusted in the word of the Lord for his life. Some of us have to develop some trust if we're going to listen to the Lord. Some of us have to learn to develop trust if we're going to see God 
do great things. So Philip could have argued his point, but instead he trusted in what God told him. God is always working, by the way, on both ends of the situation. So as God was dealing with Philip, God was also dealing with this Ethiopian man to have him reading the right passage at the right time and at the right moment. Listen, I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in chance. I believe in divine appointment. So God had everything lined up for the opportunity for Philip to reach this man for Jesus. So again, as this man was reading this passage, Philip comes along. Then the Spirit tells him to go over to the chariot instead of arguing with the Spirit. What if I offend him? Now I got to thinking about this. This is a wealthy man evidently. He's the treasurer of a kingdom, so he may have had a lot of money on him. He has a procession with him, so it's not just him in the chariot. Somebody's driving the chariot because he's reading. I don't know. Don't be like I used to be when I would drive out west. Out west, they put curves in the road for entertainment unless you're in the, in the mountains. I mean, it's just flat and straight and straight and straight and straight. And I would fix sometimes, I know this is awful, don't ever do this but I, I would fix the book on the, I'd fix the steering wheel with my knees. I was in a Pontiac Grand Prix, 83, buddy. She was a low rider. And so I would, I would fix my knees to hold the steering wheel, put it on cruise control, and I would read a book. That's not good. Thank you, Jesus, for your protection over my stupidity. I'll get a call, Mom. I expect that. Can't believe you did that. I would have got all over you. I'm just playing with her. But a lot of times, this, so somebody was riding the chariot. That's the point. Somebody's driving. Went around the world to get there. So what if I offend them? What if Philip had argued and said, well, you know, if I go running towards that chariot, they don't know who I am. For all they know, I'm going to rob them. We're in a desert place. How many times have I excused myself out of obedience how many times have I argued with myself out of not going through with what God tells me? You need to go talk to so-and-so. Well, what if they get offended at what I say? What if it's a bad time? What if, what if it doesn't, what, what if they're not welcoming to me? Well, what if they, you know, uh, we need to realize something. God is always working both ends of the situation, and we have to trust him that he knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's going to accomplish. So instead of excusing his way into responding. The next thing Philip does, number two, is he responds. Look at somebody who says he responds. He responds to the Spirit by running <laughs> to the chariot. We've happened in our life, uh, you know, we're, we ha- it happens in our lives that without delay we need to obey God. Too many times I delay obeying God. Anybody else in the room delay? I delay sometimes obeying God. But Philip did not delay. He heard the word of the Lord, and then the Bible says he ran to the chariot. He ran. He obeyed the Lord. If we are going to see God move in our lives, we must be a people of response. We have to respond to what the Spirit is saying to us. We have to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Whose life could be changed and transformed if we would be obedient? Whose life could be changed and transformed? How could our lives, our families, how could our school, how could our workplace be transformed by our obedience? I've said it many times and I I'll say it again, a simple act of obedience. You are a move of God away with just a simple act of obedience. How many times in my life because somebody came to me and walked up to me and shared what was on their heart did I receive a great blessing from the Lord because they overcame their fear to come and talk to me. 
How many times have you been praying for somebody and you swallowed your pride and you got rid of your fear and you went over to them and God used you greatly? If he hasn't, that's because sometimes we're not responding to the Lord. I have debated with God and I've missed out on blessings for my life and my family time after time because I have debated whether it is God or not. Or whether I'm just having a... Listen, God will never tell you to do anything good for anybody. I mean, well, the, oh Lord, I messed that one up. The devil will never tell you to do good for anybody. He will never tell you to go bless somebody. He will never tell you to go encourage anybody. The devil will always do what he always does. And you know what? It's not go be evil to them. It is ignore them. It is don't worry about Don't bother them. Look, you will never go wrong blessing somebody, speaking to somebody, and look, all you're doing is showing an act of love when you reach out to somebody. That's all you're doing. So send the text, make the phone call, pay the visit. See what God can do. So again, I've debated myself out of blessings before, but the sad truth is how many people's lives could be changed if we would obey? How many people's lives could be transformed if we would obey? When Philip gets to the chariot, he hears the man reading out loud the prophecies of Isaiah. He hears him saying, you know, and he asks him, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? In other words, this was a man that was highly religious. We know he was religious because number one, he's reading the scripture. Number two, he's been to Jerusalem on a patronage of worship. He's, he's went to Jerusalem to praise the Lord and worship the Lord in the temple. Now he is returning home and he's reading the scripture. So he was a religious man. But I'm here to tell you there are religious people that don't understand what they're following. They know the letter of the law, but they don't understand what God is about. And so he asked him, do you understand? And he says, how can I understand? And I believe this is the cry of a generation. How can we understand what the Spirit is speaking unless somebody guides us? Unless somebody shows us? Unless somebody opens their mouth? Now, he goes on and, 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 and shares in this passage of Scripture that Jesus was like the lamb who had his mouth silent. He was quiet. He, 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 he shut his mouth like a lamb to the slaughter. But I got to thinking about that. Maybe the reason Jesus didn't proclaim himself is because that wasn't his message. His message was for the church to proclaim him because that is our call is to open our mouths and to share about his sacrifice and what he did. Now, number three point, we've learned that we've got to first of all do what? We've got to first of all listen, then we've got to respond. Now, third of all, we need to open our mouths. We have to come, there comes a time when we have to speak. Verse 34 and verse 35 says this, And the eunuch said to him, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about somebody else? He is truly confused. He says, I know there's coming a suffering servant. I understand that principle of the scripture. But who is he really talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself? Or is he talking about another? Man, what a golden opportunity. What a door has opened up for this man of faith named Philip. What a, what a grand opportunity to share Jesus. Man, he just happened to be reading the right prophecy at the right moment? No, it was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. I want you to know God is working in this world. He's moving in this world and he's working on people you're praying for. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the scriptures and he told him the good news 
about Jesus. This man was searching for answers just like many in our world are searching for answers, like some of you may be searching for answers. Some of us are looking and wanting God to do something in our lives. Some of us are pressed against situations today. Maybe we're got, we've got issues in our lives that, that we're thinking there's no hope for this. There's, I, don't, I don't see any way to turn. We're searching for answers. I want you to know today God is ready to speak to you. I also think that some of us need to understand God can make us an answer in somebody's life. There's a lot of times I ask God to bring an answer to somebody's situation, but there's one of my favorite songs by Ricardo Sanchez. It says, make me the answer. God, use me to be the answer that they need. God, speak through my life that they might hear and know and see you. How many of us could affect this world if we allow that to happen? That God would make us his mouthpiece. I think of many, many times that we need to understand this. This is amazing. This is the passage about the Messiah that would come and all of a sudden Philip is sharing with this man the good news about the Messiah. This man is so moved by the Spirit, he wants to be baptized. He wants to get, get his life changed. And he, and he looks and he says, he is so fired up, he says, here's water, what stops me from being baptized. I don't know what kind of water was there. It could have been a deep mud puddle. I don't know. It didn't say it was clean water. It didn't say, I just know he said, I have found something so real. I don't want to wait. I don't want to hesitate. Here is water. I want my life to be a follower of this Jesus who gave everything for me. And so Philip and him go into the water and this man is baptized. He is baptized. In other words, the glorious gospel come into his life. Unless we tell the world about Jesus, there will not be another voice in this world about Jesus. Are you listening to me? The church is plan A. There is no plan B. There's not a plan B out there. There's not a substitute plan. God doesn't say, okay, if you guys blow it, I got something else in mind. He created the church to be the mouthpiece of his gospel. And I'm going to tell you, Tina was sharing a message with me from this guy from Switzerland this week. And usually when she shares a message, I get something like, because I told you so, you know, or, you know just do it. That was... Well, most of the time it's like, this is good. He knocked it out of the park. You need to listen to this. So I put it on. I was casually listening to it. And he was, he was talking about hidden temples. And he talked about the, the temple, the Jude, Jewish temple. And the Jewish temple, there's amazing things about the Jewish temple that a lot of people don't understand. When the Jewish temple was built, it was the first time God would, would fix his presence to a physical thing. He would say, I'm going to dwell here and people will find me here. He said, but in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent and was movable. This was a fixed place. And he said, now I'm going to attach my presence, that's what God speaks in the Old Testament, to this temple. And this is where people will come and find my presence. This is where they will come. And up to this point, God would show up in burning bushes. God would show up uh, you know, in obscure places. And you just happen to have to be in the right place at the right time. Or he would come down on a mountaintop. But here he says, I'm going to place my presence in this physical building. And here you can come and you can find me. And and." And that's good and well till the physical building got tore down. But then you read in Corinthians where he says what? That 
I and you, we are the temple of the living God. We, he chose to dwell in us. So up until this point, if you, you know, if you wanted to visit with God, you had to go to the physical temple to visit with God. But now because of the power and the blood of Jesus, there's a lot of temples all over the world. There's millions of temples. There's millions that have accepted Jesus into their life. And you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you this morning, God is ready for you to find your voice. He's ready for you to find your voice. If we are going to see our community changed, if we are going to see our world transformed, it will not come through the preachers in the pulpit. It will come through everyday people in everyday places that are being the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit. Is God being allowed to use you on your job, in your marriages? Is He being allowed? Are you speaking words of life into your kids today? Are you speaking words of hope over your children, over other people's? I want you to know God is ready to do some great things, but you've got to find your voice. You've got to open your mouth. We've had too many silent Christians for too long. We're happy to go to heaven, but we're not, we really are not sharing the hope of Jesus with a lost and dying world. Unless we tell this world about Jesus, it will draw its own conclusions about him, and it has. It will draw its own conclusions. And every time, if there's something mysterious happens in the, in the spirit, the, the, unless the church brings explanation, then there will be the world to determine what went on. In other words, it happened at the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and immediately the world begins to define the moment. Listen to me. These men are drunk these men are just partying off their rocker. They are drunk. They are wasted. That's what's going on. And Peter was not so caught up in the spirit that he missed the opportunity to be the mouthpiece of God. Oh my goodness. So everything shuts down and he says, these men are not drunk as you are supposing because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But these, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In your very eyes and ears has been fulfilled scripture and prophecy. And he says, in the last days, the spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. I've got news for you. That wasn't just for that upper room. That is for this room right here today. God is wanting to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. If you want it this morning, praise him a little bit. You're ready for God to pour out his spirit. They received the blessing of the Lord, and Peter spoke up. Every situation in the, in the Word where God moves, the world will have an explanation, and the church cannot afford to be silent. In other words, many times we are silent when we walk into our workplace after we have given our lives over to Jesus, and we have a smile on our face when everything else is going downhill, and somebody looks at us and says, well, why are you so happy? Oh, just having a good day. You have missed your opportunity. You have missed your opportunity to give God praise. You have missed your opportunity to put Jesus in that situation. And I'm going to tell you, you can talk about God all you want in this world. Did you know that? They're very comfortable with you talking about God because God has many names by this world's definition. But when you throw the name of Jesus out there, somebody's going to get uncomfortable. Somebody's going to get a little wrecked over that. 
But I want you to understand, we don't need to be afraid to wreck a few people because if the Holy Spirit is working, you just might see somebody come to you and say, you know what, there's water. What stops me from being a follower of Jesus? Church, get out of the way of Jesus and let him do something. Quit standing in the way of Jesus. Let's get out of his way and let God do it. What am I, what's my job? My job is to be his mouthpiece. Philip was carried about 18 miles out of this city. He was carried to another town. And then he began to preach all up the coast of Caesarea in every town that he could. If we're going to see God do great things the rest of this year and into next year, we must respond we must hear, respond, and open our mouths. When God gives us an opportunity to share about Him, we cannot shriek away in fear, but we need to share. When God gives us an opportunity to inject Jesus into our conversations with people, we need to have faith and courage to share Jesus with people. This world is losing out every day. This world is not going to get better no matter who holds office in 2024. Whew. A lot of people putting their hope in elections. The message of Jesus is a life-changing message. We have forgotten that in the modern church. I want to say that again. The message of Jesus is a life-changing message, and we have forgotten that in modern times. We think, look, you can't add to it and make it any better. You can't make this story any better. This story is unbelievable. It makes it so unbelievable, it makes it believable. That a God that loved us so much, He sent His only Son, Emmanuel, God with us, to be with us. And He said, I will share my Son with the world to the point that I will be willing for Him to die in your place. I've said this much, many, many, many times before, and I'll say it again. I love you, I do, with all my heart, but I'm not going to kill Peyton and Paige for you. I'm just not going to do it. I love them too much. That's where There's a line for me. Do you realize God the Father took the line and He pushed it away? Hmm. He said, every bit of my wrath I'll pour out on my own son so that you won't have to receive that wrath, so that you might know me and that you might have relationship with me. I've got news for you. We've got a story worth telling, church. We've got a story worth proclaiming. We've got praise worth saying. I want you to know this morning, we must find our voice. The message of Jesus will still shake the world. And it has been forgotten in the modern church. The simplicity. Look, we have overcomplicated it. We've made it too complicated to get to Jesus. It's not that complicated. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wonder if anybody would call on Him this morning. If anybody would say Jesus this morning. It made it too complicated. Sometimes we've used the excuse that our silence is humility before the Lord. But the Bible declares that there is a time to speak. And I believe church, we're living in that time. We're living in the time when we need to open our mouths like never before and proclaim Jesus. We need to interject Jesus into situations. Are you listening to me this morning? We need to interject Christ into the situations that we're facing right now. Because this world is in need of Jesus. We need to open our mouths and find our voice.
One of my favorite stories, and if we continue through the book of Acts, we'll get there eventually. Right now, Saul's a heathen. Eventually, he gets right with the Lord. We're going to fast forward. Spoiler alert. He gets saved. This terrorizer of the church. His name is changed to Paul. And Paul becomes one of the most powerful apostles that we can read about. One of the most. Not the most. One. Paul goes into a city with one of his helpers, Silas. And they turn the city upside down. Preaching the gospel. They have a woman who's possessed of a devil following them around. Saying good things. you got to watch it because the devil will say good things to get in and corrupt the message of God. She's following them around saying, hey, these are the men of God sent to us. Paul gets grieved in his spirit. He listens. You hear me? He's listening to the spirit. Sounds like it's good things coming out of her mouth, but he hears what's really going on and he turns to this woman and rebukes her. And the devil comes out of her. A spirit comes out of her. Well, there's a problem with that. She was, had a spirit, the Bible says, of fortune telling. We talked about that last week, astrology. She made her gain off of telling people their futures. I got news for you. There's no person in here who knows your future. God knows your future. Amen. Trust God. Trust God with your future. So now her power to help them is gone. And they get upset because she was financial gain for them. So they have Paul and Silas cast into prison. And they are so upset at the message of Paul and Silas, they not only put them in prison, they put them in solitary confinement. They put them in the deepest, darkest hole of the prison. Now there's a lot of things that I think of when I, when I read that passage because the Bible says, and at midnight Paul and Silas sang praises to God. Midnight is considered one of the darkest hours that we have during a day cycle. At midnight it can be, anybody walked outside at midnight, it can be scary. At midnight it's pitch black. At midnight it's obscure of, of light except for the stars and the moon. But on an overcast night in midnight, it's pretty pitch black and dark. Paul and Silas were in the inner prison in the midnight hour, and I'm telling you, it would have been easy for them to have lost their voice. It would have been easy for them to have just checked out of the situation and waited till morning, till their trial, or till they had their hearing before the magistrate. But here they are, beaten and bleeding chained in stocks, in the inner solitary confinement of the prison. And the Bible says, and at midnight, something leaves the mouth of Paul and Silas, and maybe it was, you are good. You're so good to me. They begin to praise God. They begin to find their voice. And the Bible says here, don't miss this part. And the prisoners heard them. There is a world that is enslaved and imprisoned. And God will teach you and take you into a desert place or into an inner prison. He's going to put his children wherever he needs to put them so that they can find their voice and be light and salt in this world. And they begin to praise God in that situation. The prisoners were changed 
chains. They heard the voice uh, that, that was singing and the Bible says they all were changed by the voice that they heard. The jailer comes in. He thinks they're all gone because now their worship has turned into a physical shaking of the building. Oh my goodness. He thinks they're all gone and he's going to fall on his sword and take his own life. And Paul says, stop, we're all here. Again, not so caught up in the moment of the Spirit that he loses contact with why the Spirit sent him there in the first place. You see, Paul's mission, when he received his vision to go to Macedonia, he saw what? A woman saying, come over and help us. Or a man, actually, saying, come over and help us. The first contact he has is with Lydia, a woman. So you could say, well, that's, that's what it, God just you know, didn't care. He just showed him a vision. No, he had in mind a man who was a jailer. And when that jailer hears that, they're all there. And he says, don't kill yourself. We're here. We didn't leave. He shares the power of Jesus. with That man is saved. His house is saved. They're all baptized. The church is established in Macedonia. What are you saying? God has a plan and a purpose, but the church has to find its voice. Some of you are walking through some midnight. You're walking through the darkest hour that you feel like you've ever faced, and I believe this world is right now. There's meanness everywhere. There's hatred everywhere. There's the, the, the kindness. That's why you got everybody saying, be kind, be kind, because there's no kindness. There's no compassion. Last week I was walking into Walmart. And this Florida driver sped up. I had to scoop my overweight self fast across that intersection. And then hit their horn and gave me the high five with the finger high. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's our secret. If you don't, we're praying for you. They weren't blessing me, I could tell you that. And I'm like, you're supposed to yield to pedestrians. Mean, short-tempered, angry. In a recent poll that was put out by Fox News, when asked what is the number one emotion you're feeling at this moment in history as we go through this time cycle, most viewers said the number one emotion they were feeling was anger. Oh, how we got to find our voice. Come on, church. We got to find our voice because the prisoners are depending on it. It is time for the church to open their mouth. Open our mouth to praise God like we've never praised God before. Open our mouth to worship God like we've never worshiped God before. Open our mouths to share the good news of Jesus to a lost and dying world like we've never shared it before. Open our mouths to prophesy of the coming of Jesus. I want to tell you something. You may not have heard it, but this Jesus who died, this Jesus who went to the grave, came out of the grave on the third day, this Jesus who went back to be with the Father, he is coming back. And I'm telling you, it's sooner than any of us are counting on. He is coming back. He is coming back and we need to speak loud. Get ready for the return of the Messiah. Get ready for the return of Jesus. You see, I think the problem is we all think well, that's for my kids, kids, kids to see. 
We need to open our mouth about the healing power of Jesus. <laughs> I still believe Jesus heals. I still believe Jesus heals not just the soul, but he heals the body, he heals the mind, he restores us, he puts us on the right path. I still believe Jesus heals anybody else. We gotta open our mouth about that. We need to open our mouth about the saving grace of God. That grace that when I think I've exhausted it, it reaches then and grabs me back. When I think I've went further than I thought I could ever go, it's that grace that reaches out and says, just turn to me. When I think I have told him to forgive me so many times, he's tired of hearing it. Oh, come on. He says, forgiven. Over and over again. That, that, that really kills me sometimes when you read about how many times should we forgive 70 times 7. People actually do the math. I don't think Jesus expected us to do the math. I think what he was trying to say is as many times as it takes because you don't want anybody to go to hell. And I'm going to tell you, you may think you do, but if you could see that place, you would wish it on no one. We've got to open our mouth about his mercy and his grace that has delivered us from sin and death. And we have to open our mouth at this midnight hour to praise God like never before. We have to listen, obey. Mm. Listen, obey, and speak in this hour. We cannot afford to be silent any longer. We cannot afford to let another day go by. If God has done something good in your life, it's time for you to share it. If God has delivered you from sin, you need to share it. If God has healed you of sickness, you need to share it. If it look, I, some of us are wanting healing in our body right now. We're praying for healing in our body. Maybe we need to go back to the last time God healed us and proclaim that a little bit. Go back to the last time He touched you and proclaim what He did then and watch what He'll do now. For He is a God that is worthy to receive praise in this house and honor in this house. I'm telling you, the last three weeks I've felt an overwhelming presence at harvest like I haven't felt in a long, long time because God is saying to us, it is time to roll up our sleeves and go to work like never before. It's time to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. It's time to be a light in the middle of darkness. It's time to share hope where there's hopelessness. It's time to go to work, church. It's time to be who God has called us to be. But we have to open our mouths. How much do you have to hate somebody that is erring in their ways to not go to them and share in love? Come on. The bridge is out. And some people are headed straight for it. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Yes, we need to listen to the rest of this, the first of this. First, listen to the Lord. Because we don't want to open our mouth till He tells us, but when He tells us, we got to do it. Right. I'm going to close this way. I will forever be haunted by the death of a classmate from high school. We ate lunch together every Friday. 
played football together. We hung out together. But I never shared Jesus with him. So that's a lot of weight on a kid. Doesn't matter. I never opened my mouth. It was a year later while I was in high school or in college that I got word that my high school classmate had killed himself. I can't get that opportunity back that I had moment after moment. And I can remember when I felt like I needed to share with him what was real in my life and I held back because I didn't want to offend him. I held back because I was afraid he would reject what I had to say. And Rusty, what I wouldn't give to have gone back and shared Jesus just once. Just one time. We have no idea what, keep, what damage keeping our mouth closed can do in this hour. I'm not talking about berating people and telling them everything they're doing wrong. That's not going to accomplish anything. But I'm talking about opening up and sharing about what Jesus has done for you. How good He's been to you. Come on, church. How faithful He's been to you. Some of us in this room would not be with our family right now. We would be divorced, separated, apart if it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord. Somebody needs to hear that. Now they don't, the devil is in the details. They don't need to hear all the junk. They do need to hear that Jesus still restores the hope and the love. They, there's some of us in this room that we would be dead in a grave if it wasn't for the touch of Jesus. Don't give doctors credit for that. Well, it was those doctors that found that medicine. No, it was that God that gave man the knowledge to know that medicine. Give no doctor credit for nothing. It's God that gives knowledge. I'm glad they're there. But it's God that gave them the ability to know what to do. So I'm going to give him praise. The world needs to hear your story. The world needs to hear my story. And we have been silent for too long. Quietly moving around. Going through the motions. Coming and worshiping. And when I'm around a group of people that are similar in mind, I'm okay. I can voice a little bit. But folks, he called us to be light. And the only way light can be light is in the presence of darkness. I can light a candle in here and it's not going to light this room up much because there's light in here. But you take that same candle and you walk into a dark place. It illuminates. The light of a single candle, by the way, can be seen from over a mile in a clear night. I did not know that. That's scientific evidence there proof one candle I want you to say this I am the temple of the Holy Spirit so what is your temple proclaiming in this world we live in will you stand
This altar call is very simple. Who needs to find a voice? Who needs to find their voice? Who needs to find their voice? If that's you, I want you to start to make your way to this altar right now. You need to find your voice. Come on. Come on. All right, I can talk about everything, but when it comes to Jesus, I get tongue-tied. God's ready to untie your tongue. People are dependent on it. Your family is dependent on it. Your workplace is dependent on it. Somebody needs to see Jesus in you. Come on, church. There's some others that need to be coming right now. You need to be making your way right now. Well, what will people think? All you're saying is, I want to be a better witness for Jesus. I want to proclaim His truth better. I don't, I don't want to be silent anymore. I want to find my voice. When others are talking about solutions to this and solutions to that, I want to interject Jesus into the conversation. I want to interject life and hope and grace and mercy into the conversation. If that's you, you need to come. Come on. You need your voice. Pastor, I just don't have a voice for Jesus like I want it. I don't have that witness I want to have. Some of you, you're walking through midnight and you haven't found your song. The psalmist says that he has placed a new song in our heart, even praises unto our God. Amen? He found me in the horrible pit is how he begins that verse. In the market, but he now has established, he brought me up out of the horrible pit, put my feet upon the rock, and now has established my path, and he has put a new song in my mouth, even praises to our God. Many shall see it and praise the Lord. What is the psalmist saying? He was preaching grace before grace showed up. He's saying, God rescued me from the pit of this world, and I've got to tell somebody about it. I've got to share it with somebody what Jesus did in my life. Come on, church. There's some others you need to be coming right now. Come on. Come on. I know this wasn't meant for a few people in this room. Come on. Come on. Come find your voice. Come find your voice. Come find your voice tonight. Come on. Come find it. Come find it. Come find it. If you're sitting watching at home, get on your knees and say, God, give me a voice. Give me a voice to proclaim your goodness. Give me a voice to proclaim your truth. Give me a voice, God, in this hour. I've been silent for too long. I've been silent in my school. I've been silent at my job. I've been silent in my family. I've been silent with my own children. It's time for me to voice the goodness of the Lord. It's time for me to lift up Jesus. It's time for me to praise Him in the midnight. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.